Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of welcoming John Rubino from GID Investments. Uh, thank you for coming on, John. I appreciate oh, my it. My pleasure. My honor. I was looking forward to this all week. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So John is with GID Investments, uh, which is a private real estate uh, equity firm. Uh, their firm invests in a lot of new construction and multifamily projects uh, currently uh, their company has invested in, in a lot of multifamily and construction projects in Washington, D.C. Their multifamily hold, uh, holdings include projects in uh, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. And today we are here to dig into his story. Uh, John additionally is in charge of uh, you know, all the private equity investor relations, uh, social media, and also the uh, uh, new business uh, uh, investor relations that he has to bring in to bring in the capital into his company. So uh, their company has so far invested well over $21 million in various projects across. So it is quite a uh, background John and his partner has, and uh, I, we are here to just know more about their story and what uh, different opportunities they're looking at. So with that, John, thank you for your time. Uh, if you can kindly take a few moments and and uh, uh, give us some more background about yourself. Uh, I'd appreciate it. I'd be my, again, my honor and pleasure. Thank you again for having me. And um, yeah, I've, I've lived here in uh, the Washington, D.C. area in Fairfax County since 2011. Uh, I did 20 years with the Navy as a pilot and uh, enjoyed serving my country. And I had so many uh, wonderful opportunities, engagements, uh, meeting wonderful people. Uh, it kind of helped me also for business as I started the company. Uh, we got back to this area back in 2011, and I served uh, on the Navy headquarters staff for about five or six years. Then I retired from the Navy in 2017. I started the business back in 2013 with my partner, David, who's down in uh, Hilton Head. Mm -hmm. So we have a, an office in Hilton Head, and we have an office up here in Fairfax County. And the, the mindset of the business really was to bring together uh, opportunities through partner developers and sponsors that we, we knew, that we, we met, that we got the chance to build a fantastic relationship with, built on a foundation of respect, and also taking the time to understand what these companies um, they do and how we could add value to them. And where we add value to our sponsors and developers is we can bring a level of equity to the table for their projects that it helps them immensely. Mm -hmm. It takes less resources for them to have to come in when they can come to a business like me and I can help them add value. I can add value and be a good fit for their business model. Uh, on the other side is I have about 135 investors that I've uh, brought on board to the company who started out as friends and family, people I worked with in the Navy, David had as a accounting clients and, and became quickly also uh, folks we met through referrals or public investors, people that mm -hmm. were 
across the nation reaching out to us via our social media or our website who wanted mm -hmm. to become accredited investors. So today we have about 135 investors and we bring in both our money and their money on each of these projects to help these partnered sponsors and developers we work with, whether it's new construction or it's um, ground up development, uh, it's multifamily hold, opportunity zones, student housing, uh, storage. We look at everything that makes sense from an asset sure. class perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if it meets the criteria for, for us on the return structure, the way we can structure it, the terms and the, and the, um, the overall holistic approach we have, then we want to, we want to go into it. So we've been doing this now for over seven years with the business. I've been in, I've been passively and actively investing for over 15 years. And um, to be honest with you, it's been a blessing. It's really been a blessing to kind of do this full time now to sure. meet wonderful yeah. people, build great relationships and have the opportunity to, to do this uh, for my full time job. So I'm just so grateful. Awesome. Awesome. And first off, thank you. And I salute you for your service. Thank you. uh, it's thank it's you. a great service to the nation. So I appreciate you. Thank there you so for much. Sure. Honor uh, to serve. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, so John, uh, give us a little depth on, um, you know, how you got started. Like where did that real estate bug came from? Uh, yeah. Because from where you were working uh, in, uh, you know, all the different uh, stuff and now you are uh, here doing real estate and private equity projects. How did that kind of come about uh, sort of your foray into real estate? Sure. So I, I invested actively for a bit back in 2005 and 2006, where I partnered uh -huh. with some local area builders. Uh, we bought some land together. They would uh, build the property under a construction loan. And then we would do a transition uh, to me as the primary owner at, at a point. And prior to that, I would probably market the, the property uh, about two weeks before we went to closing. And I was able to find a buyer for the property. So we would mm -hmm. just do a double closing make some nice profits. And sure. um, that, that was my start. I did about three of those. And, uh, and then I was going overseas at the Navy for three years to Italy, Naples, Italy. Uh -huh. And I decided nice. to invest. Yeah, it was a great tour. I got, I, I decided to invest passively at that point with a few friends that decided to start their businesses and they were doing some condo conversion, condo development in Washington, DC primarily. Mm -hmm. And uh, one particular business did fantastic during the, the recession. They were growing, they were coming with cash, cash is king during sure. a down cycle. And I was investing with that individual where I was getting a fixed return over about a seven year period. Mm -hmm. And so when I decided I wanted to start this business around 2012, 2013, I knew I was retiring from the Navy. Did I want to go back to work as a government contractor? I, I really decided, no, I want to be an entrepreneur. It's in my sure. blood. My dad was in construction. My mom was in a school teacher. She did private business. So it was in my blood to be an entrepreneur. Sure. And so mm -hmm. I said, let me take this model I had for seven years and, and bring it to this business. And that's nice. really what I wanted to do is I wanted to take the blessings God gave me over the seven year period mm -hmm. and bring that to others, <clears throat> excuse me, including friends and family to start, but then actively engaging with accredited investors across the country at networking groups, just to share with them what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And from the investor standpoint, it's unique because when we talk to people that are interested in us uh, from the investor side, we, we want them to come on board. We want them to be comfortable with our process, what we do. And then when they become investors by filling out our paperwork, they're in a position now to see our deals. And mm -hmm. at that point, they really don't have to invest a penny to work with us. Right. It's right. not until we send a deal forward that they actually get to see. Sure, sure, sure. Makes sense. <coughs> Excuse me. 
No problem. Uh, now, John, uh, I mean, it's interesting that you are in Washington, D.C. I, I am also uh, in Maryland, right out outskirts of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Washington, D.C. here. <coughs> and we kind of see the market and see how much D.C. has changed. I mean, yeah. the amount of new construction and Class A development that has happened is phenomenal. And now here we are sitting in the middle of uh, 2020. Amazon has already come in and we know what has happened to the property prices and the commercial real estate in general. Right. Everything has gone up. It's, it's incredible. Now, um, I want to switch gears uh, here and understand that, um, you know, for, uh, you know, all your passive investors, you know, how do you kind of sell uh, or convince them the benefits of new construction? Because on one side, someone can say that, oh, geez, you know, new construction comes with a lot of, uh, you know, sort of risks that, you know, the project may stall or perhaps sometimes, uh, you know, by the time all the land entitlements and permitting and all that uh, stuff is uh, being done and the project is ready for, uh, you know, sort of, we say the shovel ready projects, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of inherent risk that comes with it, right? So could you maybe give us insights into maybe perhaps how you sort of <clears throat> mitigate, mitigate all those risks? Sure. Well, first and foremost, um, we want to make sure that the developers we work with are very well experienced, have done this <clears throat> for numerous years, have a good track record, have a good portfolio, have gone up and down in the cycle and have had success. Um, so that's the most important thing to me is the sponsor. And we take a lot of time up front to do due diligence on the sponsors we work with. Um, mm -hmm. ide ideally, it's a sponsor we've partnered with before and we've done a project with before, but we want to make sure that we have a fantastic relationship. We understand them and they understand us. And it gets a lot of the prerequisite requirements knocked out of the way. Sure. I I'd rather, I want to talk to a developer and approve them for funding before I even look at a deal. Sure. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it tells me how dedicated they are to want to work with me. Mm -hmm. If I ask for information and I don't get it back or they, you know, they, they're covering things up and I can tell that there's red flags there that I don't even want to waste time looking at projects. So mm -hmm. it's very important up front that we know that there's a good sponsor there. The next thing is the market. You know, you just talked about Amazon. You talked about uh, the D.C. market. We have a lot of absorption here in D.C. Uh, we have a lot of absorption in Atlanta right now. These are good markets. We like the demographics and, and they don't particularly trail with the rest of the country. Holistically, they kind of are leading the, leading the charge when it comes to growth, population, uh, income, uh, and, and a lot of jobs. So we, we want to go and be in the right markets because sure. if something like a COVID hits or something with a down cycle or recession like we're now hits, we know that we're going to be able to absorb some of that uh, the challenge and that risk. The next has got to be good returns. Good returns that meet our criteria. Uh, we, are, we are looking for high returns given the risk of these projects. Like you said, if we're gonna come in and buy, uh, the developer's gonna buy a piece of land, then the, 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 and we're involved in the equity for that, then yeah, the returns are gonna be a lot higher than they would be for a shovel ready or a project that's in the stabilized phase of a project. So that's the next thing is how do the returns look? Um, nowadays, I'm looking for pre-COVID plus returns given what we're mm -hmm. seeing. Sure, sure, Very sure. important that we have that. Um, you know, and then there's other things I look at. What, what's, uh, what's the collateral? What's the sponsor bringing in? What are the fees? You know, so that's where I'm pulling it apart. And then most importantly is how do I exit this thing? If I can't sell the condos or we can't sell the, the units that are being built, you know, can we sustain a, a long-term hold to still make, you know, similar type returns on paper mm -hmm. that we're very, 
you know, a very strong return. Sure, sure. We have to go into that model. Right. Now, now it may be pertinent, John, that we maybe perhaps discuss a couple of prior new construction deals, right? Sure. Uh, give us a sense of, um, you know, what it was like, meaning from a investment to kind of uh, the whole period and the disposition uh, around it and what sort of returns you were. And I'm curious because uh, typically we interview a lot of, uh, you know, multifamily uh, sponsors and things like that, but I haven't had a guest who uh, is, uh, you are kind of in a unique position where you are doing a lot of projects and bringing private equity into the new construction realm itself. And you know, I have had, uh, you know, uh, other expert guests who were developers themselves, uh, you know, so which was, you know, again, slightly different. So I'd be interested to know that how your firm is kind of going through the life cycle and what were your prior experiences specifically in the new construction arena. Yeah. So being a, being a military man, I have a lot of checklists, right? <laughs> That's the most important thing is I go sure. through my checklist. Every project has a, a very detailed journal that I keep and note. Mm-hmm emails, everything is kept where I can go back and I can refer and make references to things. So that's very important because um, when I was a staff officer, I used to write papers for admirals and generals and, and, and hire executives, uh, uh, executives within DOD, Department of Defense. And I quickly learned that I have to be able to speak to these folks at the level that they you know, understand. And sure. so when I talk to my investors, it's the same thing. I have to be able to explain things in a way that it makes sense. It's the, the data I collect that I'm bringing in from the developers and the sponsors, the life mm-hmm. cycle of the project. Um, I go out to the projects, I visit the sites, I talk to the GCs. So I'm, an, I'm a passive investor and I'm a passive business owner, but I'm an act, I'm a, I call it passive firm on steroids because I'm out there and sure. I'm very engaged and I sure. have the direct ear of the presidents and the executives of these businesses. So I can, I get updates quarterly, weekly, monthly, and I convey that into a very professional update that I send out to my investors so that sure. they're aware. Mm-hmm. And then we always make ourselves available to answer questions, to take a trip out to a site with one of our investors who wants to fly in from Atlanta or California. And we bring them out there. We put on a hard hat and we put on a vest and we make ourselves fully available. This is my full-time job. Mm-hmm. I used to do this part-time when I was in the Navy and mm-hmm. now I do full-time. So it's even more of a commitment that I've had and it's worked out really well. Awesome. So mm. I keep involved in it. Um, I'm the liaison. I, I represent the investors and I also invest in, and I represent the developers and sponsors. And I'm also an investor. My sure. money's in these deals. Sure, sure. So I have right. to think like a sponsor. I have to think like a sponsor. I have to think like an investment firm. I have to think as an investor. So. Absolutely. And, and the key word there also is the fiduciary responsibility that you bear to your investors, which is, uh, you know, incredibly super important. Yes. Now, uh, t- speaking on, the, uh, on that uh, there, John, is uh, t- uh, specifically about, let's say, the markets and how we evaluate these things, right? Uh, as you alluded, right, Washington, D.C., uh, Northern Virginia in general are extremely different uh, in a zone by itself for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, I like to say that Northern Virginia is part of probably the Bay Area of the East Coast, as we know, uh, with a lot of company, the diversity, the economy, just the amount of uh, jobs and everything. It's, it's an incre- incredibly resilient and incredibly uh, solid area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but from your shoes, right, 
how do you kind of evaluate uh, markets and specifically, let's say, sub-markets uh, and different pockets of these uh, neighborhoods for your investments? I'd, I'd love to hear your take on this. Well, the first thing is I, I try to stay well-versed on all the publications that are out there, both nationally and regionally into my local areas. I, I look at periodicals every day. It's the first thing I do in the morning with my cup of coffee. I'm reading um, BizNow articles from industry experts, whether it's uh, – it's uh, Tom Bazzuto or it's, um, you know, uh, you know, people within the industry that I'm reading about. These are the leaders in our industry and I'm learning sure. from them every day. So that's the most, one of the most important things that I'm, I'm reading, I'm looking at things uh, and I'm trying to come up with my understanding based off of what I see. Mm -hmm. um, DC, for instance, we'll just use that as an example. There's four quadrants in DC, you know, Northwest and Southeast are very different. Mm -hmm. Price points are very different valuations are very different. So if I'm looking at a deal in Northwest or if I'm looking at a deal in Southeast, there's two different lenses I look at that. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a lot of information I pull up, demographics information, I have a lot of context. Being in the area for nine plus years now, I have a lot of professional trades folks I can go out to and ask for help with on independent sure. analysis. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the big things I do. And then mm -hmm. I go back and look at previous projects I've done. I look at construction costs from a deal that may mirror a project I did two years ago to see how does this relate apples to apples from what mm -hmm. we're doing here. And then David is just, he brings a wealth of knowledge. He brings a wealth of financial insight and, and the parameters he adds to the company is amazing. So it makes my job easier because I can go out and do what I'm good at with mm -hmm. oversight of what he does. And he does the same with me. So we're very, very, um, we have a really good partnership with our company. And that helps too. And we have a track record. We sure, have a sure. proof of concept. I mean, Absolutely. you can show investors. When I meet with a new investor who's interested in becoming an investor with us, and I can show them what we've done, how we've done it, how the structure works, how they made their money. Um, it's it's very, very, um, uh, it really hits home when, sure, when sure. you can do that. There's proof, there's proof right there, basically. Yeah. Uh, now, John, uh, give us a sense of how you specifically structure this thing, meaning, you know, what what your relationship with the developer looks like? How are you kind of structuring the documents, the returns, uh, you know, the return periods Absolutely. and things like that? Yeah, so it just depends on what that sponsor and what asset class is their focus. Sure. Uh, we work let's, let's stay with new construction, for yeah, example. New construction <laughs> uh, or residential renovation. We can raise money, depending on the amount, we can do it as an equity loan. We'll set up loan documents. We'll set up, um, you know, personal guarantees, collateral documents on deeds very easily through our real estate attorney if it's a smaller project. Sure. If it's a large scale, you know, we're doing a project in uh, Buzzard Point, 110 condos, eight stories, you know, uh, 2,000 square feet in retail. That's, that's a big project. We're raising millions of dollars for a project like that. We set up a, a joint venture limited partnership agreement with a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, we set up a securities exchange form D, typically a 506B. Uh, mm -hmm. We can also do a 506C pending the risk of a deal. Mm -hmm. um, and then we would then uh, syndicate, showcase that project to our investors who are already approved for investment. Mm -hmm. we don't go out to the general public and do that, only the sure. folks that are on board. So about 135 people get to see each project. And up to that point, they never have to invest in a deal until they see one they like. Each project set up as a separate entity. Sure. So we're not a fund. We're not raising millions of dollars and then piecemealing it out. We're doing it deal by deal. Okay. Mm -hmm. We raise that money. 
uh, from mm -hmm. the 135 of those that want to participate. We set up a, an LP partnership, mm -hmm. separate entity under the 506, and we dovetail that. So each investor that comes into that entity is a limited partner. My partner, David, and I are general partners. Mm -hmm. And then as the entity is dovetailed into the management piece of the project, we are a LP, we sure. are a limited partner. I see. Uh, how how does the uh, yeah yeah no that that perfectly answers I appreciate it. Uh, how how do you, what what do the returns look like? Uh, yeah yeah so on a new construction project or a development deal, the closer we are to the front end of a project where the land is purchased, it's post entitlement, it's got to go through what we call the horizontal the development. Sure. Mm -hmm. We're usually making for the company around twenty eight to thirty two percent a year on our money, mm -hmm. and that's blended between a pref and percent of the profit. And of course it's deferred because usually that product is going to be uh, for sale product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we're shovel ready and we're going to come in for another round of equity during construction, you know, now we're looking at mid twenties to high twenties, maybe even low, like low thirties, depending on how much we can bring in. And so those are the types of returns we're going to get. So let's just make it easy. We're bringing in a million dollars of uh, acquisition equity and we agree to a 30% annualized return on investment, not IRR. Mm -hmm. And that 30% is over you know, the years. And let's say it's a three-year project. At the end of that project, I'm looking to collect a check for $1 million on equity with $900,000 in profit. I see. Awesome. Yeah. And all of this compensation and returns are all deferred till exit. Is that? Yes, uh, that's, that's correct on a new construction because the end goal is to sell the, the product, sure. and if it's a large product like Peninsula 88, 110 units, we know the bank's batting first in the batting order. Mm -hmm. And then you may get a preferred equity lender in there that's kind of batting second. Mm -hmm. And then we're batting third usually as the GP or as the LP or general equity. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. that, since we're the we're batting third, we have most risk, but at the same time, we have the smallest piece of the capital stack, mm -hmm. we're gonna get the highest returns. I see. I see. So there's increased risk and of course, increased reward for that as well. Absolutely. Basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, how, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to still maybe ask you questions, uh, John, around new construction, for example. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, what are some of the risks uh, into, in, into such uh, agreements and how, uh, how do you kind of uh, mitigate those? Yeah. So again, it's all about the due diligence. We want to make sure we know, uh, I got through my checklist. So I'm looking at commitment letters from the banks. Uh, we do a lot of the upfront work where we're getting references to make sure that, you know, these banks have worked before with these companies. If you're going to, if you're going to give someone a $30 million construction loan as a bank, you sure. better make sure you do your homework on them. Mm -hmm. And that gives us a lot of confidence that if a bank's willing to bring in that level of capital, mm -hmm. that um, we feel confident that that's a good, good operation. But we do a lot of independent analysis as well. We, we do our own analysis outside of what the sponsor sends us in their pro formas and their offering mm -hmm. memorandums. Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's really uh, how comfortable we are with that sponsor, mm -hmm. that market, their returns, and then how the structure is going to look. And, you know, look, I, I can't control construction costs. I can't control sure. appreciation. So mm -hmm. it's got to be a strong number on paper backed up by due diligence on both my side and the sponsor side to be able to say, we feel good about this. And when we bring it to our investors to make them feel good about it. Sure, sure. Thank you for that. Uh, now, uh, John, 
speaking from the same lens of construction, how do you kind of switch gears and look at multifamily markets? Like, for example, you said you have deals uh, in certain pockets within North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, for example, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how do you sort of switch those gears and uh, how do you kind of see the multifamily markets and the deals and stuff? Yeah, so the, the multifamily we're attracted to most would obviously be value add. Uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, obviously we're not making the, the 20s to 30s a year on the money. We're typically making, uh, you know, returns where it's cash flowing about eight to 9%. Cap rates are five to seven. Uh, we're typically seeing returns uh, on disposition somewhere in the high teens. Um, and uh, IRRs maybe at, you know, 17, 18%. And um, we understand that when you have a stabilized asset, even though there is a value add that the risk is not as um, intense or as aggressive as it would be on a new construction project. So mm -hmm. on our website, we actually have, you know, walking through cradle to grave of how a project would look for us. And on that last phase would be the disposition of a new construction, which is out sale, but on a stabilized property, we come in and we show how we're able to structure it. Very similar to the 506B, the joint partnership, the LP, the way it's all set up but now as a multifamily cash flowing project. Um, and we, we, ad, we uh, advertise that to our investors the same way we would with a, um, a new construction project. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm, I, I wouldn't want to invest with a multifamily uh, sponsor that's in new construction and vice versa, where you know, their focuses are in different areas sure. of asset sure, class. Sure, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, John, as a private equity firm, uh, obviously, we are all looking to grow and, uh, you know, bring more investors and more equity to the projects and things like yes. that. Uh, share with us some of the uh, steps you take or different avenues you pursue for, uh, you know, sort of growing your company and bringing more investors and things like that. It's about 75% of my effort every day now. And that's what I do is I'm, I'm always looking at uh, how best to attract that segment. It's difficult. It's not easy because you're talking to passive accredited higher net worth individuals that are business owners or they're professionals, doctors, attorneys, um, contra government contractors that, you know, meet the criteria as an accredited investor. So sure. it's a lot of work. You know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I go to networking events for executives and professionals. Um, I, I rely on those investors in my business that have done well and um, have openly um, asked or, or shared with me that they would like to share what we do with some of their colleagues. And that's a sure. wonderful, wonderful um, compliment. Absolutely. When I make somebody their returns and they turn around and they're introducing us to others. So it's, it's very organic. But as we scale the business, um, we are looking at talking to broker dealers, registered investment advisors, um, family offices that can open doors to larger pools of individuals so that sure. we can bring on more investors. Absolutely, absolutely. And it goes without saying that you have a great service and a different partnership with your developers and multifamily sponsors that you have. So you have an extremely valuable service that you are providing and you're absolutely giving great returns as well. And your record speaks for itself. Uh, now, John, a couple of last questions. Um, as you pursue in this business, uh, give us some best advice you have received, whether it was from your past military career or perhaps uh, you network with your uh, colleagues and stuff that kind of keeps you in discipline every day. 
That's a wonderful question. And I have to be honest, that's not one I've ever gotten before, but I think it's, it's very important to ask that question because you have to understand where you've come from and where you're at to know where you're going. Sure. And so I really appreciate that question. You know, the military, being in the military for 20 years, going to military high school, military college, my dad was a Marine. I was around the military my whole life, but I feel like um, the personalities I got to meet in the military, the, the different types of character I got to meet in the military has prepared me immensely for business where I know how to communicate because um, as an instructor pilot, I had to teach kids coming out of college how to fly an airplane for the first time. Hmm. And I may not have the same kid in the chair today that I had yesterday. Sure. So I have hmm. to be able to assess that. And that's very important. Um, you know, education is so important. You got to continually read and, and look at markets and talk to subject matter experts. This is a team, this is a team sport. Sure. I don't want to pretend that I know anything and I don't, and I'm always learning and I have to be humble enough to know who to go out to and talk to when I need something, if I can't do it on my own end or just to get that friendly advice. Sure. Um, having that circle of people that I can always go to. I had a meeting today with four of my closest colleagues and we're talking about COVID and we're talking about the markets and what we're all seeing and just mm -hmm. to be able to do that and bounce ideas off of people to give yourself reassurance that, okay, I'm going down the right path. I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I know that I feel comfortable. And then lastly, I would just say is always having mentors, advisors, and those you can go out to that you can either bring on to be part of something special. Um, as I scale like my business, I don't want to hire employees. There sure. are positions that you may need employees for, but I want to have advisors. I want to have colleagues that can come on with me and add value to grow what we've have and, and make it something bigger and better at a comfortable pace. Sure, sure. Thank Wonderful. you for that question. That's a great Wonderful. question. Great, great, uh, great advice right there. So thank you, John. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, for, thank you for coming on. Uh, give us some information about how folks can reach you and learn more about your company. Absolutely. So uh, we have a great website. It's uh, www.jidinvestments.com. And we just redid our website. I'm really proud of the gentleman that helped us do it. And it's fantastic. It's very interactive. It's user-friendly. We have a lot of documents there that are very, we're a very transparent company. So that's probably the best way. We, we have a YouTube channel, JID Investments, that you can go to. Um, email, email me anytime. Uh, I don't know if you'll provide it in the notes, but sure. uh, mm -hmm. yeah, please feel free to share my phone number, my email. And um, I, I want folks to consider me also as a resource to help them as they get started and or grow their business, because I think that you would agree, Sakar, that we're all, we're all in this together. Um, we're here to help each other. And um, I don't consider myself to have competition. I have colleagues that I can help and they've helped me and, and that's what it's all about. So um, that would be great. And, and we'd love to talk to folks that have an interest in passive investment as well as those we can help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And couldn't agree more, uh, John, that we are in such a niche space that, uh, I mean, as long, I mean, as big as sometimes we think, but it's such a small syndication world that uh, few people that you know, we don't realize that there are like 10 other people that you know already. So that is, uh, that is a, a, such a wonderful thing. And, and also the fact that um, sometimes I like to say this, that this is a realm that not a lot, I mean, everybody knows stock market, but people right. don't know the private investments and sort of the stellar returns that we can make, the ability to get to know 
you know, who are the developers or who are the sponsors and why it gives you the stability and surety the, of the returns. You don't get that in stock market, you know, and it has proven uh, for decades and decades now. So, and, and folks like us, uh, you know, have this knowledge intimately and we know this easily, but a common, uh, you know, John Smith on the road probably doesn't know it, you know, and that's the value we all provide. So thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, you are a man and you're a company on the move. So thank I you. will be definitely looking forward to interacting with you again in future. So I Anytime. appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.